Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 146 of the Photography Side Hustle podcast. So this week we have a new audio message from Charlie in Great Britain. It's pretty obvious that he's disguised his voice. We'll play it now and we'll see what he has to say. Hello, this is Charles from Great Britain. I have a question. How can I improve my photo shoots? Hmm? Tell me. I need to know. You know I'm King of England, eh? <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for that, Charlie. Uh, sounds like he's been on the helium again. I know it's a an old problem he's had. Anyway, thanks for the question, your highness. <clears throat> yeah, I know. All right, I'm going to give you some ideas on how to improve your photo shoots, not only to take better photos, but also to make the whole experience run smoothly. A little bit of work in advance of the session will take a lot of the stress out of it. So the first thing is client communication. Now, if you don't ask your customers what they want from the session, how can you give them what they want? When you and the customer are on the same page, the session will run really smoothly. Everything will just be great. You'll give them exactly what they want. For weddings, I put a shot list together with the couple that were getting married. You could easily do the same thing with any type of session, not just a wedding. Now, a shot list is just a list of all the photos that they want and who is going to be in them. And just a heads up, if you are shooting a wedding, get the couple to choose one of the wedding party to do the rounding up of all the family members and friends for each of the photos. You don't have time to call out all the people's names, plus you don't even know who they are. But the best man or the maid of honour will know a lot of the guests and can put the groups together as you're still shooting. Now, I've tried this with a helper. But again, it didn't work because they don't know who everybody is. And at a wedding, everyone's happy and laughing and chatting and they and they ignore you. So get one of the wedding party to do it. They're more than willing to help and it doesn't take very long. You also need to work out a timeline for the shoot and get them to sign a contract listing all the customer's expectations and your needs also. You have to have all those written down in your contract. Like what time the customer needs to be at the location or how long the session is. Whatever you can think of, you need to discuss it with the customer and get them to sign a contract. If the booking is for a wedding, this is super important. You need to sit down with the couple and plan the timeline for the day. You need to know when and where you've got to start. I always started with the guys getting ready, then over to the bride and bridesmaids for them to get ready. Then you need to get over to the church or wherever the ceremony is going to be and get more pics of the guys looking nervous while the bride is on her way. At this point, you should already know where you're going to be capturing the ceremony from. If I hadn't done a wedding at that church before, I always tried to visit with the bride and groom a few weeks before the wedding. Now, if it's a church with big windows, try to be there at the same time that the wedding will take place. Not too far in front, a couple of weeks would do it, but around the same time. That way you'll see where the light is coming from and be able to decide where you're going to shoot. Because shooting into sunlight coming through a stained glass window isn't good. You're going to get all kind of 
colours flashing in the lens. It's, it's really difficult to get out in editing as well. So consider where the light's coming from in some of these bigger churches. I'm getting off a little bit there anyway. So work out your timeline, whether it's for a wedding or a one-hour portrait shoot. And that brings me to the next thing you need to do. And that is location scouting. For weddings, most of the brides know where they want the photos taken, but that doesn't mean it is suitable. The same thing goes for any portrait shoot. Don't trust that the location that the customer chooses is going to work. You're the expert, you know what light you need, and you need to have full control of this. So you'd need to check out the location that the customer has suggested beforehand. A lot of times I would mention that their choice might not work, but we'll give it a go and we'll see. But before the shoot, I would find a location close by that would work. So it's just a quick walk across, you know, a one minute, two minute walk, and you can take some decent pictures. But you you don't want to just outright say, no, we're not doing it there because sort of work with them, but work around them. Now, when you're checking a location out, visit the same time of day, similar to the church, that the shoot is booked for. This will allow you to see what kind of light you're going to be working in and make a plan. Your next consideration is weather contingencies. So you've found the perfect outdoor location, but what happens if it rains? You need to have a backup location that you can use if the weather turns nasty. If it's a portrait session, you can rebook it, but a wedding needs to have a backup plan. So Think about the church, staying in the church, doing the pictures, or maybe there's a large gazebo somewhere that's going to protect you from the rain. You've got to figure something out. The next thing you need to do is equipment preparation. Now, once you know your location or locations, you can make sure you have all the equipment needed for that shoot. If you're new to photography, this is where you might realize that you need a reflector or a flash or your 50mm lens isn't wide enough and you need to buy a 24 or a 35mm lens to do the job. The other thing you need to do is clean all your equipment and pack it ready for the shoot the night before. If you're using two cameras, set both the times at exactly the same moment. So you put the date and time in and click the buttons together. That way, all your images will be synced so that they're all in order. If one camera is 10 minutes in front of the other one, when you upload all your images, they're going to be jumbled. And then you've got to figure out by how much and then get into Lightroom and try and correct it. So if you're using two cameras, make sure they are synced. If you have a lot of equipment, make a list and tick off everything you need to take with you, just to make sure. You want to avoid a last-minute rush because that will add unwanted stress. Now, having all the equipment you need is great, but what happens if something fails? That is where having a backup camera body, extra lenses, memory cards, and extra batteries in your bag gives you a safety net. Now, your backup camera body and lens doesn't need to be the same lens mount as your main body. Like, what I'm saying is, you could be shooting, your main camera is a Canon, and your backup camera could be a a Sony or a a Nikon or whatever you want because you could buy an ultra cheap body and a used 50mm lens and just have it stuck in the corner of your bag, batteries fully charged, just in case. Because as long as you can pull out a backup 
and complete the session, that is all that matters. It doesn't matter what make it is, what lens it is, as long as you can do the job with it, it will work. Now, having a backup body that takes the same lenses as your main body is ideal. For lenses, you need a couple of lenses that will allow you to keep shooting if one of them dies. Like, say, if you've got a, a 50, you're using a 50 millimeter lens and you've got another lens in your bag that's 35 millimeters, you could continue with the 35 millimeter lens. Or, say, you've got a 24 to 70 zoom that dies, but you've got a 50 mil lens in your bag, you could continue to work with that. For batteries and memory cards, you just need to buy twice as many as you need. You will at some point not have enough time to fully charge your batteries before the next shoot, or you might even just totally forget to charge them all together. So if you have another set of batteries already charged in your bag, you can still shoot the next session. The same goes for memory cards. If you don't have enough time between sessions to upload the photos from the card, you can just leave that card at home and pull extra cards out and just carry on shooting. And all of this is going to reduce your stress levels. Okay, next one, permits and permissions. This is something you need to figure out way before the shoot. Do you have to get a permit or ask permission to do a shoot in a local park or on the steps of a local government building? As the photographer, it's your job to know these answers. Even if it's in the grounds of a local hotel, give them a call and get permission. You don't want to put yourself or the customer in an awkward position mid-photo shoot. Last but not least on the list of things that are going to improve your photo shoots is example poses. Now this is something that happens to all photographers the first time they go to take a portrait. And it's generally with your family or a friend. You pull your camera out, stand them in front of a tree, under a tree or up against a wall or wherever. And then you think, how do I pose them? Like, now what do I do? I remember thinking that vividly, standing my daughter in front of a tree and thinking, okay, now what do I do? How do I pose her? What do I do? So what I did, I did a web search for portrait poses, then downloaded my 20 favorite pictures <laughs> from other photographers and printed them on a single sheet of paper that I could carry around with me. I actually tried learning it and it was just easier to carry it around. You will get most of them in your head at some point. That sheet of paper in my bag helped me breeze through photo sessions. Knowing what you're going to be shooting next and where just speeds it up instead of standing there saying, have you got any ideas? It, it just doesn't cut it. You need to have ideas that you can impress your customers with. Now, they don't need to see this piece of paper, but if you're not worried about it, you're starting out just saying, I've printed out some really good poses that I think we should work with. They don't need to know whether they're yours or someone else's, and they'll pick one out and we'll have a go at doing it. Now, later, when I decided to shoot weddings, I did exactly the same things. I did a web search for wedding portraits. Then I printed as many as I could on a couple of sheets of paper, and away I went. It gives you so many ideas, and you can add to it with your own images. And eventually you will have your own versions of each of these poses and you'll have your own examples to show couples on the big day so they can choose the next pose. I had a couple of printouts of them and I would give them to the bridesmaids and they would decide which one was going to be next. It just speeds things up. They're part of it. They really get into it. 
and it really does make your job way easier. So give it a try. If your next session is with a couple, do a search for couple portrait poses. That's a bit of a mouthful. And put a sheet together and uh, print it out. Because you've got to remember, your job is to make the subject look great. And the more options you have going into a shoot, the easier that job is going to be. So prepare for success at every photo shoot. And remember, all the top photographers were once in exactly the same position that you are right now. So go out and get them. (laughs) Right, that is how to improve your photo shoots. If you need help with anything, you can catch me in the Facebook group. There's a link to the transcript for this episode in the show notes and over at photographysidehustle.com forward slash 146. And while you're there, you can support the show and you can buy me a coffee. Right, I'll be back next week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.